Thank you so much for just taking time to pray. Uh, we know that the Lord hears us, and we know that he looks at our hearts, don't we? We know that when we have a heart attitude that's uh, postured before him and that's thankful for the liberties and the freedom that he gives us, he sees that, he knows that. And somehow, as great as the freedom is that we experience in this country, it pales in comparison to the freedom that Jesus offers. As great as this country is, as wonderful as the freedoms are that we get to live in daily, so much greater is the freedom that Jesus offers. As, as a worship pastor for many years, I remember so many times over the years saying during a, a time of worship to a congregation, guys, do you realize how many countries around the world do not have the opportunity to stand and lift their voices together and worship Jesus? The freedom we have in this country is great, but it pales in comparison to the freedom that we have in Jesus. I know that's something that's been heavy on Pastor Caleb's heart. He and Pastor Jeanette are away for some pre-planned time out of the office, and they, uh, they send their love and greeting to you, and they're excited to be back with us soon. But Pastor Caleb's asked me to speak today and address this idea as we continue in Galatians about true freedom, true freedom that we can find in Jesus. We've been making our way through the book of Galatians as a church, and we've been unpacking these really significant moments that, as Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, and they're looking at these, these, these cultural hot topics that they were dealing with, right? And we've been learning a lot about what the Galatians were experiencing during that time. We've been learning about the good news of Jesus, and, and perhaps if you've been in church for any, any length of time, any number of years, you've heard phrases like the good news, and, and if you're honest, you know, maybe some of those things have lost their luster. They're not quite as shiny or as impactful as they once were when you hear about the good news, or, or maybe you're on the opposite end of that spectrum, and you're kind of newer to faith, or, or perhaps this is your first Sunday here, and you're like, what are you talking about, dude? This place is nuts. First, we're talking about flag shirts, and now we're talking about good news. What does that even mean? And that's okay. The point is that we are learning about this good news, and that good news is very simple. The good news is that Jesus is the hope and the answer to a broken world. And so no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're up against, if we put our hope and our faith and our trust in him, we have this good news that he is the answer to a hurting and a dying world. No matter what we're going through, despite whether or not your preferred elected officials made it into office, despite that really significant and hurting, broken relationship that you might have with someone, maybe you've got loud voices, whether they be in your, in your own mind or in your spheres of influence that are really discouraging to you. The good news is that we, as Christ followers, can flourish in a broken and in a dying world. In fact, I would submit to you today that Jesus calls us to flourish in a broken and a dying world. That's the hope and the promise of Jesus. And so I thought if it's okay with you, and even if it's not, I thought that we might talk about some good news today. Is that okay? The good news of Jesus as we celebrate our independence as a country and even more so our independence as Christ followers. You see, we are not the first people group or the first society in this world walking the earth 
to deal with challenging things in our culture. Shocker, this just in, we aren't that special, and it's not the first time that any group of people have been faced with really challenging topics. I mean, that's what we've been learning about here in Galatians, is Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's saying, He's saying, hey, I understand that you're dealing with some tough stuff. I understand that you've got some significant issues of your own going on. You know, at that time, people were really wrestling with this idea of what it looked like to have a relationship and a journey of faith, right? A relationship with the Lord. And, and what did that look like? And how much do I have to do? And, and, and what laws do I have to follow? Every, every single dot and tittle. Like, what things do I have to do to prove my relationship, and to live in relationship with the Lord. So they were wrestling with some really, really hard cultural things. Paul's giving them instructions that to them fly in the face and against some of the teaching that they had heard taught for their entire lives. You know, he's, he's telling them, if you'll remember a few weeks ago, um, we spoke about this idea that he's saying to them, hey, you guys are so, you're so hyper-focused on this law of Moses, that you're forgetting about the promise that God gave Abraham into all of his descendants. And what a mind twist for the church that Paul's writing to. So in some way, be encouraged today that we are not the first group who's faced with some tough things. We're not the first group of people who's had to navigate some challenges, but we do get the privilege of learning some pretty cool things from the book of Galatians, and we want to continue doing that Pastor Caleb shared last week, and I loved this, watching online as we were out of town. He shared about God's strength and the importance of us making a daily decision to choose to rely on him. Amen? To choose to lean into his ability and to his promises versus our own ability. Pastor Caleb said this, and I have to quote him. I thought it was so good when he said, when we try to do life our way, we might experience some of God's goodness that he built into the world, but you're not going to experience all that he has for you unless you lean into his strength. And isn't that what we're doing here today? We're here worshiping, we're here in community together, we're hearing his words spoken, we're leaning into his strength, and it's his strength that sets us free, church. I realize that I kind of like gave the punchline right there. It's his strength that sets us free, and that's exactly what we want to talk about today, is true freedom. If you've got your Bible with you, would you follow along with me and turn to Galatians chapter 5? We're just going to even look at the first verse there in Galatians 5, and it says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. I find it so interesting how Paul is encouraging through this letter that the church stay free. Isn't that interesting? You know, if, if, you, if you were to assume ahead of reading this what Paul might need to encourage the church to do, my assumption would be, hey, get free. Get free in your relationship with the Lord. Shake off the things that of this world and of this earth that would bind you. Shake off the things that would want to tear you down and live in freedom, right? But notice there how he says, and make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. How many of you know this, this human condition that we live in 
we can learn a lesson, right? We can, we can break a bad habit or, or we can set aside and be freed from an addiction or, or something really serious. And then if we're not careful, we find ourselves right back at where, where we started. Do you know that's true? Sometimes you don't even realize it. You're like, oh, I, I stopped doing that or I stopped listening to this or the Lord set me free from this and then yet somehow now I'm, I'm, right, I'm right back there being challenged and I'm right back there being tempted and I'm right back there living a way that I used to that I thought I was set free from. We can find freedom and then we can return right back to being bound and trapped. Chelsea and I have been doing a lot of thinking about the idea of freedom. Chelsea is 18 weeks pregnant, and when people ask me, so how many kids do you have? You know, we're also foster parents, so right now we have three and a half kids. Um, the half is the one she's growing, and then three are in our home. And so um, people, you know, people are always asking, you know, so man, what's that going to be like to make the jump from three kiddos to four? And we're like, well, we don't know. We've not done it before. But we have found ourselves thinking about this idea of freedom, um, you know, my, my older two kids, I have an eight and a half and a five and a half year old, and it's a beautiful thing. For those of you that are parents, you know, they brush their own teeth now, <laughs> which is awesome. They put on their own shoes when they go downstairs in the morning. Um, Layla unloads the dishwasher, bless God. <laughs> she puts the dishes away. It's incredible. Um, they brush their own hair. All I have to do is set out their outfits in the morning. They get dressed, so by the time I'm ready to leave the house, they're just standing there, whole, complete little humans with their teeth brushed and clothes on and shoes on. They wipe themselves. I mean, it took longer than I wanted it to, but bless God, they wipe themselves. And so Chelsea and I have been like kind of playing all this back in our minds, and we're like, we're starting over. We are willfully starting over. We were set free, and then we find ourselves right back in this place again. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm, I'm mostly joking. Pray for me. Um, I'm mostly joking. But the idea there uh, being that, that we can find ourselves back trapped by things that once had us bound. And that's not how God intended for us to live. And Paul knew this. Paul knew it was important for the Galatian church to figure out that being set free from the slavery of sin and also staying walking in that freedom that comes from the Lord was really important. And so there's lessons that we can draw from that today. The first thing to note from Galatians 5, that first verse that we just read, is this. Jesus sets us free from slavery to sin. Amen? Jesus sets us free from slavery to sin. This slavery makes us do selfish things that we regret, and it damages us. Slavery to sin damages our relationships with others. It negatively impacts our relationship with God, being bound by the garbage of this world and by the plans of the enemy directly destroys our lives and every part of them. And so it's important that we understand Jesus can set us free from slavery to sin. Sin is no joke. And what is sin? Sin, simply put, it's missing the mark. It's falling short. It's not, 
It's not living in a way that's honoring to the Lord when you know that the way you're living is not honoring to the Lord. Man, sometimes doing that kind of living autopsy where you're just doing a deep dive and you're looking at the ways that you're living or some of the habits that you know don't honor him. We have to look those things in the eye sometimes and say, I know that Jesus can set me free from this sin and I know that this sin will destroy me if I don't lean into his strength. So I have to do the work to get rid of the sin. It destroys valuable relationships. Sin haunts us. It can be that nagging thing that's always reminding you, oh, remember you said this, remember you did this. It keeps us from living in true freedom with Jesus. Sin makes life regrettable. Sin will fill you with all kinds of things that you were not designed to live with. We were not created to live littered with guilt and regret and shame. Jesus even says in the book of John, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Does that sound like a life full of sin to you? Yeah, me, me neither. We're on the same page. Living trapped in sin is not the life of flourishing that Jesus wants for anyone. But when we look to other things rather than Jesus to satisfy us, we get enslaved to our own selfish desires. And what Paul's saying in this chapter five of Galatians, he's saying you have to be careful not to fall back into that trap because true freedom, freedom from sin, and the freedom to flourish only comes when Jesus sets us free from sin. The issue here, guys, is true freedom. Let's keep reading in this passage of Galatians 5, 2 through 6. Read along with me. It'll be on the screen there. It says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, maybe as, as tired as some of you are of hearing in Galatians about circumcision, we're tired of saying it. <laughs> but let's bring from, from the text, let's bring into our time and conceptualize what's being talked about here. Again, something where the Judaizers of the day were trying to convince others that in order to be in right standing with God, this was something that you absolutely had to do, right? They were hyper-focused on this portion of a law versus the grace and relationship that the Lord had to offer, and so what Paul's trying to communicate to them is, guys, that's irrelevant. True freedom comes when you are living a life. What is most important, he says, is faith expressed in love. 
Again, the issue is true freedom. And there's three specific things about true freedom in Jesus that I want us to unpack here today. The first is this. Freedom is lost through selfishness. I understand that's not fun to hear. Can I tell you it's not fun to say? Like, we're on the same page. No one wants to, like, really dive into, talk about, think about being selfish because naturally we like to think of ourselves. We like to be comfortable. We like to make decisions for us. Selfishness, being focused on ourselves and our own wants, it will cause us to lose our freedom in Christ. Because we, because we get off course, right? Not because Jesus pulls back and withholds something from us, but because we walk away, instead of staying in step with him and with the Holy Spirit, we focus on selfishness, things of the flesh, our own desires, and we're walking this way before we realize it, we're way off course. Uh, I was doing some work last night, and my, my kiddos, Aiden and Layla, they were getting ready for bed, and so Aiden's in the bathtub and Layla's in the shower. And um, I've mentioned that we were recently on a trip. And so my kids have had way too much time together. Um, they are at each other's throats far more than normal. And I guess maybe I've had a little more time with my kids than I've needed recently because I find myself incredibly frustrated with the bickering and the spatting back and forth. And I, I just want to you know, like AT&T used to say, just reach out and touch somebody. You know what I'm saying? I, I just want to, I want to lay hands on them and not for prayer. Um, and so I just, I, I'm tired and, and I'm, I'm just trying to get them headed toward bed. And I don't know why I didn't use separate bathrooms, but either way, they're in the same room and they shouldn't have been. And, and Aiden's filling up the tub and Layla's in the shower and I'm doing some things in the next room, and I hear Aiden, and you guys know, if you've got kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews, you know that tone. You know, you know that tone matters when you hear one kid say something to the, to the next. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. And Aiden lets out this, this guttural, frustrated, coming out of nowhere, Layla, you're using all the hot water. And I just, it's just like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, no, she's not. I know she's not, but my five-year-old's convinced the world's going to end and Layla's using all the hot water. Mind you, he's sitting in a soaker tub <laughs> with water up to his chest. And then I hear Layla, Layla, you know, scream back to him, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And then he says it again, to which Layla responds, oh, well. I'm like, oh, well. Like, <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> So she, she throws her two cents in with the oh well, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through folding clothes, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, let it go, let it go. Well, then far be it from Layla not to return the favor and say, actually, Aiden, you're using all the hot water. Now my shower's getting cold. And he, he responds, ha, 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 and just starts laughing, laughing, laughing. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. And I come barreling in. And uh, my kiddos, through their selfishness, they, they lost some freedom last night because daddy overheard and daddy intervened. And I was, I was pretty frustrated with my kids because a core value in our home is that philobombs are respectful. We, we remind our children of that on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. We are constantly having to remind them, hey, that, that wasn't respectful. That wasn't kind, the way you just said that thing. And you might be thinking, like, Kenny, what's the big deal? Kids are just being kids. And you're not wrong. 
Yet, I'm not worried about eight-year-old Layla and five-year-old Aiden. I'm, I'm thinking about 30-year-old Layla and Aiden, and I, I want my children, to the best of my ability, to be people who understand that just as the Word says, we are to be kind one to another and tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Philobombs are respectful, and I want my children to learn that now, so I have to choose those battles of ha-ha and oh well, because I want them to understand it's not okay for you in your own selfishness and focused on yourself to be rude or disrespectful to somebody else. That costs you something when you do that, and in the same way, freedom is lost when we choose to be selfish. It's not a luxury that we as Christ followers can choose to afford. We we cannot be selfish and maintain true freedom in Christ. And why does this matter? It matters because we lose our freedom that we've gained through Christ when we're selfish and we're focused on ourselves alone. Freedom is lost through selfishness. My kids experienced that last night. <laughs> Number two, freedom is found in Jesus and his spirit. Speaking of living in a broken world, that's no surprise to any of you. We look around, we see people in our jobs, in our community, at the grocery store, in our neighborhood. People are hurting everywhere, right? We live in a broken world. And people everywhere are looking for freedom. They're looking for this thing that you and I have, right? And that's not to say that we lead these unscathed, perfectly glorious rainbows, dandelions, butterflies, and lollipops lives. No, right? We don't. But people are looking for true freedom like you and I have. Um, I mentioned that Chelsea and I are foster parents, and um, unfortunately, a lot of the kiddos that have come through our home have either been exposed to drugs prenatally or they've come into foster care because uh, mom or dad are really struggling with an addiction to drugs. It's been a really common thread throughout. And so I've gone through a lot of training that's helped me understand what happens physiologically and neurologically in a kiddo's brain when they're exposed. And those things have helped Chelsea and I as we are, for different periods of time, raising kiddos who've been impacted by that. And um, so in doing some research and reading about that, it's, it's been kind of one of those topics that I've geeked out on a little bit. Um, I don't watch football or baseball, but I'll watch a podcast about, you know, drug abuse. It's just one of those things that it's, um, it's relevant to me and in our life and something that I try to stay informed about. It was interesting, I was reading recently um, kind of about the motivation uh, and the things that happen inside of someone who finds themselves trying drugs or becoming dependent upon drugs and wrestling with addiction. And this one article um, that I read recently said among the top eight reasons in teenagers specifically that they try and then eventually become hooked on drugs because of is that they're trying to find some sense of freedom. They're looking for freedom like you and I have, but they're looking in very wrong places, right? But true freedom is found in Jesus and his spirit. Think about that. Think about his grace that was demonstrated on the cross. And we're gonna remember that here in just a few minutes. His grace that was demonstrated on the cross, the power that was shown in his resurrection and by his promise of the Holy Spirit living in us and walking with us daily. 
and how that allows us to have healthy relationships, not only with him, but with others. That's flourishing, right? That's living a life of flourishing. And unless he alone transforms us, we cannot be free from sin. We cannot be free from the selfishness of sin without him. Freedom is found in Jesus and in his spirit. Thirdly, freedom is expressed in love. This might be the part where I step on your toes a little bit. I love you. Forgive me ahead of time if I do. Freedom is expressed in love. What did verse six that we just read, what did it say? It says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love, right? Freedom that can only come from knowing Christ should be known through us and shown through us in how we interact with others, in love, right? What does the word say? It says they will know us by our love for one another. Freedom, true freedom is expressed in love. And let me tell you this much, the enemy would love nothing more than for us as Christ followers to think about God's love as the world defines love. Right, because what does the enemy do? Like he's the master of chaos and confusion and deception and lies. And so he would love for us to think about our freedom and our love from the Father in terms of how this world defines love. How does the world define love? Give me what I want or you don't love me. Support with no questions asked every decision I make despite how harmful it may be, how divisive it may be in our relationship, how against God's word it may be, or you don't love me, right? Isn't that how the world defines love? Do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, or you don't love me. The enemy would love for us to think that that is love, but we know that it's not, right? We know that that's not true freedom, that's not true love that Christ died on the cross for to bring us. And I'm not talking about the love of this world, and and Paul isn't either. He's writing about the unwavering and the unconditional love of Jesus that can be seen in the life of someone who has been radically changed. I'm talking about someone who once was blind and now can see, right? who was bound by sin and has now been set free. I'm talking about the kind of love that's in someone's life that's been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Freedom expressed in love is seen in someone's life who's learning to walk daily in the promises of God rather than the negative things that have been spoken over their life, right? Someone who's been set free from a past and who's walking with Jesus daily. A life that expresses God's freedom in love. And can we hear what Paul's saying today, church? Can we hear him saying that freedom is lost in selfishness? That freedom is found in Jesus and his Holy Spirit and freedom is expressed in love. Verse 13 through 14 says this, follow along with me if you will. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, true freedom is about the ability to live in healthy relationships. It's about recognizing that you have something that others desperately need. And so rather than gloat about it, rather than use it to beat them over the head with, you're going to make a willful decision to use your freedom to serve others. And it sounds all nice and well and good. And then we go on to our barbecues and, you know, kind of move on. But the truth is, is when you're having that heated debate and discussion with somebody at work and, and when, they're, when they're challenging your thinking or, or when they're saying something as truth that you know is not truth, do you take the freedom and the truth that you have and do you respond in a way that expresses and shows God's love? That's the question you've got to ask yourself today. We all have to wrestle with that, right? We have to ask ourselves, am I representing Christ in a way that shows I'm walking in true freedom to serve others? And that's why it's so important that we guard our hearts from sin. Because if we don't stay alert, if we aren't vigilant, making sure that we're guarding ourselves from the things that the enemy wants to use to destroy us, then we'll find ourselves living lives that look nothing like what Paul was saying they should look like. They won't look like forgiveness. They will look like selfishness. They won't look like um, a love that comes from an incredible father. They'll look like a hate and a disdain that comes from the enemy of our soul, right? We have to guard ourselves against this blindness to the sin that tries to creep into our lives. Because sin destroys our mind toward God and our heart toward others. So that's what I want us to think about as we close today, as we prepare to receive communion together. I want you to just hit pause and ask yourself this question. Judging by your ability to love others and God, how free are you? If true freedom is expressed in love, if true freedom comes as we've received forgiveness and we've been delivered as slaves to sin, if true freedom only comes through Jesus and his Holy Spirit in our lives, how free are you? Do you find yourself in a spot where it's really difficult to love others? Lord, would you take this sin that I'm wrestling with and would you, would you cleanse me? Would you help me to walk daily in your presence so as to live delivered from this junk that wants to destroy me? Jesus, would you stay actively a part of my life? Would you help me to continue seeking you? And would you have your Holy Spirit be active in my life daily? How free are we? As great a country we live in, as great our freedoms that we receive, 
how much greater is the freedom that we receive from Christ? It can turn our lives around. Freedom from sin, true freedom that only comes from Jesus can completely revolutionize our lives. We can find ourselves leading lives that are completely different than what we looked like before our relationship with Jesus. But it takes us recognizing that we need him, that we need him daily. Christian who's been in church for 15 years, hear me when I say this, we too have to be reminded and often remind ourselves of our need for Jesus. As we hold the elements of communion in our hands today, and as, as you peel that back and hold the cracker that represents his broken body, we have to remind ourselves this body was broken on a cross for my sin. Not so that the sacrifice Jesus made would be in vain, but his body was broken because he saw with eyes through eternity into who would be sitting here this very day, and he knew that our lives would be worth it. His sacrifice applied to our lives would be worth the pain that he would endure. He knew the ways that we would fail him. He knew the sin that we would become tangled up in. Because he's like, you know, the creator of the universe. So nothing about our lives that we're living and leading is a surprise to him. And yet, he still thought us worthy of him sending his son to die on a cross to endure pain that he did not deserve so that you and I could live in true freedom apart from being slaves to sin. That is worth remembering, right? How free are you? As you bow your heads with me and close your eyes, not because there's anything spiritual about that, but just because it helps us focus sometimes, and you hold the cracker in your hand, I want you to think about something in your life that you feel like Jesus has completely saved you from. Maybe it's something he's delivered you of. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship that he helped heal could be any number of things. But holding that cracker in your hands, think about that thing that he's done in your life. That sacrifice that he's made was not in vain. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us, was necessary so that we could live in freedom. How great the freedoms we experience in this country might be, and yet they pale in comparison to the freedom that we have in Jesus and his sacrifice. Can you thank him with me now, church? Come on, even in this moment, lift your voice and thank him for the blood that he shed on the cross. Thank him for his freedom.
that he gives to us so freely. Lord, you knew that we would need the sacrifice of your son. And his blood was shed on the cross so that we could know him and that we could know life eternally. God, we thank you for the blood. Lord, I thank you that you've said that the blood shed on the cross can be appropriated for us when we need healing in our bodies. So God, even now as we hold this cup, would you heal our broken bodies? Would you restore, God, as the mighty physician, God, would you minister to those who need a healing in their body today? Lord, your sacrifice was not in vain. And it is for our freedom and our healing today. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's receive the cup together. We were not designed and created to live as slaves to sin. But instead, the creator of the universe, knowing each of us in our mother's womb, decided that we should live lives of freedom that comes from him. And I recognize that sometimes it's a whole lot easier to talk about than to live out, right? It's really easy to go, man, Kenny, you don't know what I'm wrestling with, and, and you'd be right. It's a whole lot easier to even accidentally and unintentionally fall into a skeptical mindset that says, this guy doesn't know me, he doesn't know my life story, he doesn't know the things I've wrestled with, so it might be easy for him to talk about this freedom that comes from Jesus, but he doesn't know me and he doesn't know what I'm struggling with. And you're exactly right, but what I can say with every fiber of my being is that you and I both live before a Lord who does know your life, who does know your story, he does know what you're wrestling with, and he, not me, he wants you to live in freedom. And so, sorry, we don't get to cop out on this one. His sacrifice on the cross calls us into freedom, or else we look at the cross and we say, not worth it, Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'd venture to guess we probably don't want to be in a position where we're telling the Lord, hey, Lord, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. Instead, we can respond to the call of Jesus that says, come to me, even if you're weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me, ask for forgiveness, allow me to restore you and walk with you daily. And that is a choice that we get to make. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm gonna pray over us before we leave, but before I do, I'm gonna ask our pastors and our prayer team to come now to the front. And as I said, I recognize that it's easier maybe to talk about this idea of living in freedom than it is to walk out. And can I encourage you today, none of us were meant to wrestle through the issues of this life alone. If you're standing here today and you're thinking about that thing that you're wrestling and struggling with and you're about to exit today, having not spoken to anybody about it, having not been prayed for, I want you to know that that is how the enemy keeps us isolated. 
And I wanna encourage you today that if you're seeking freedom from anything, then when we dismiss today, I want you to come forward to this team of people who are full of faith and who are ready to pray with you and to believe with you for God's deliverance, for God's provision, for God's word to become alive in your life. No matter what the thing is that you need prayer for, step forward today and be prayed for. The word says that when two or three people gather in the name of Jesus, that he is there with them. And as two or three people believe on any one thing according to his word, he says he'll show up. He says that he sees you and that he wants to be a part of our daily lives. And it's up to us to allow him to do that. So I'm gonna pray over all of us. And even as I pray, if you want prayer, as I'm praying, I wanna invite you to come and be prayed for. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you for this time together. God, I thank you that who you are and what you do in our lives, God, is powerful and it is strong and it is meaningful. God, I thank you that you are the provision that we need. I thank you, God, that true freedom comes from you and from you alone. And so, Jesus, I lift up everybody under the sound of my voice today. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we celebrate the freedoms of the country that we live in this weekend, that it would not be lost on us the true freedom that comes to us through the sacrifice that your son, Jesus, made on the cross. God, let it be said of Sound Life Church that we live lives that express your love and that we live lives that demonstrate and display true freedom apart from the lies of, of what this world would offer us, God, that we would live our lives in a way that honors you and that shows a lost, hurting, and dying world that we can flourish through freedom in you. Thank you for your son, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.